Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Terry and Max have graced us with their presence. Gentlemen, um, I usually like to to welcome you and have a a little brief discussion about something uh, shared. We were talking off camera about uh, uh, England's uh, recent international, uh, I guess, success. Um, First one being... Um, over a hapless and frankly embarrassing U.S. squad, and then uh, where they they move on in the uh, UEFA was it League of Nations, the Nations League? I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, um, good good thing. Uh, did you guys get to check out any of those? And you have any have any thoughts about that? Because I got to be honest, it was cool watching Keane and Pickford both play for England against U.S. Hmm. The England supporter in me only comes out every four years, to be honest. It's amazing. You guys, you guys really don't watch that stuff that much. So, so instead of talking about those games, let's talk about why not. Seriously. I think this is good conversation. Max, you started talking. Why don't you care? I had this discussion for about two hours today in my lecture in university. Um, good. Well... <laughs> I mean, not so much now, I'd say, but obviously the, the the past history of the national team being very Southern-centric, ah. very kind of London, South-orientated. Um, and, well, well, from a personal perspective, I remember for, for my birthday one year, my dad took me down to Wembley to watch England against Germany. Um, Germany won 2-1. Since then, I've always kind of lent towards... Germany because I preferred their structure and their um, the the way their football association operates. You know that from from grassroots level upwards. Um, you know particularly if you look at when they won the World Cup in two thousand and fourteen, the fact that that group of players, you know, a lot of them have played together. You know, coming coming through the um, the, the system. Uh, you know that, that's that's really impressive to me, and I much prefer that to. What it tended to be with England in past years, where it te- seemed to be, you know, Steve Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes, so it'd be like Mr. Man United, Mr. Chelsea, Mr. Liverpool, and it just seemed to be like a clash of egos. I mean, uh, cre- credit to England and Gareth Southgate now, I think they've really turned the corner, and, you know, they're a lot much more of a likable team now. And as I say, you know, uh, I am okay, you know, I'm happy for them, and particularly Keane and Pickford, but um, I don't know, I just. Too much international football, Jerry. It burns me head out a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> so, people, uh, this clearly this intro we're using for the podcast and not for uh, not for our videos. So, the the listeners couldn't hear Terry's constipated look that he made when I mentioned watching those games. He did this. It's almost like a sneer. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, not really my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terry, so I, I assume your your thoughts are, are not too far from Max's then? Oh, they're, they're further, further on than Max's, really. I'm, I've got no connection with the national team at all. Like, I'd sooner see Everton win a throw-in than England win the World Cup. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> as far as I go with the national team, I, I check to see if Everton players played. Did they get injured? And then that, that's all I care. I mean, 
I, I wouldn't mind England doing well, but I, I, it's it's a mazy sad thing. The Liverpool fans don't care either. It's it's the, the club gate. The club picture is just so strong here that like no one. It's not true of most other places in the country, but in in Liverpool, there's a, a we're scouts, we're not English type of mentality. You know that's mm. an overused phrase and. People like don't like that phrase now, but it, it is true of a lot of people here. For but I mean, I could go, I could go on about. I don't like England supporters on mass. I mean, not in general. Not the vast majority would be okay, but there's a very loud minority of England supporters who they're not the best people. Anything you see about them, they're all just they're being ungracious um, guests when they go abroad, and ah. yeah, just the, the worst people. I mean, for me. England fans are like the the really strong Trump supporters. <laughs> it's our equivalent. I <laughs> uh, not a that's quite a strong statement. I know, but might <laughs> <laughs> with me, uh, with me any friends? I'm sure, but not that. No, England are just not my cup of tea at all. <coughs> mm, yeah. Uh... So I think it may be fair to say I I actually watch England and care about it maybe more than you guys, which is really <laughs> funny because uh, <clears throat> I usually try to watch them when they're when they're on, and I actually uh, had to figure out a way to watch them on Sunday play against um, <clears throat> play against Vlasic and uh, Croatia. Vlasic did not have a bad game either, by the way. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, for another day, we'll have to discuss. But, um, yeah, I, I actually think England's really fun to watch. Uh, maybe it's the fact that I'm super jealous and uh, my team is not fun to watch right now and is a little bit like taking an ice pick and putting it in my eye. Um, but, you know, and I will admit, Southgate has you guys playing really – it's exciting. You know, you were losing against a team that was bunkered back against Croatia, and he makes a sub or two, actually two at once, and all of a sudden they find themselves in it and they score two late goals. And it was it was exciting. It was fun, you know. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. So interesting. I, so essentially what you're saying is uh, folks at Everton should have known about some of the scouse uh, – uh, maybe how much they don't really care for the England squad before they put up England's number one on their video board the other day, right? <laughs> Folks at Everton should have known that. Should have known that wouldn't have been a, a good idea. I don't know why they did that to begin with, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I think they're they're trying to say, hey, you know, look, this is the guy that he's the best in our country. They're trying, you know, they're trying but it to, sounds like that just was a bad idea. I know they're trying to prompt atmosphere, aren't they? You know. I've got to be honest as well. The scouts not English thing doesn't extend to kids. Kids like England, like it, I mean, oh, yeah? in Liverpool anyway. Like I remember when I was young, I did. I was interested in England, but you sort of like. I mean, I don't know whether you'd agree, Max, but as you get older, you, you, you're interested. It does wane, doesn't it? As you get, mm. as, yeah. When you're a kid, you care, especially when an Everton player plays for England. Like for for me, it would have been Rooney for um, a, a short spell at least, and then after that. Um, Baines and Jagielka, but even by that point, I was a little bit too, too old. But um, yeah, you, you know full well the kids um, will love the idea that Pickford is England's and Everton's keeper. So I can understand why they did that. Mm. So yeah, I wasn't sure if it was uh, one of the things that Max described, which is that bias 
um, for those top six teams and how there's just, you know, always a, a much higher percentage of players there. And some players that may not necessarily deserve it get preference over some of these players from the smaller teams who deserve a crack. That would jade me a bit if I saw it year after year. Yes, to be fair, this sorry, it's man, changing, this, it's changing, yeah. yeah, yeah. This version of England, Southgate's England, is the least like that. That's the thing. Like that, awesome. maybe that. Now, I've, I, to be fair, the closest I've come to you know being interested in England is this incarnation of England because Southgate is quite a refreshing change. So maybe, maybe um, this uh, jaded soul will come around to the England be a proper <laughs> three lions England fan. <laughs> Uh, see, we, it, this is kind of funny. We've accidentally like pulled a segment out of just making conversation on introducing a, a, an episode. So, yeah, this is cool. And, uh, yeah, this it's interesting to me um, because for me it's like a weekend with no Everton. It's like I need to fill it. I need some kind of football. You know what I mean? Uh, just any kind. Waking up on Saturday and not having a game to watch sucks. Mm. All right. Then I have to watch some stupid cartoon that my kids want to watch. Okay. And guys, Vampirina is awful. Okay. It's about a little girl vampire. I hate it. There's little songs in it. I have no idea why my kids like it. I guess we can kiss that Disney sponsorship. Bye bye. Or maybe it's Nick. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I would much rather have them force fed watching either, you know, Premier League or Bundesliga. Just saying. Mm. Um, <laughs> anyway, now that we've gotten this far off track, let us bring it back and uh, really quickly sum up the show for the podcasters who have been so patiently listening. Um, we're going to start off with a, a Cardiff preview. Um, yeah, because we play them this weekend. Should be interesting. Uh, I think we may all be on the same page on this one, though. Uh, then we're going to branch into something that we don't talk about often, and that's the stadium. Um, the new stadium at Bramley Moore. Uh, we're going to talk about capacity. I know it's a new conversation that Evertonians haven't had yet. It's a little out there, but we thought, let's go against the grain do something different. Yeah, we know it's been done. But you know what? We want to talk about it as supporters. Okay? So we're going to. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about Everton's worst Premier League signings. Not what worst signings ever, because, you know, that's a long conversation, but worst Premier League signing. And we're going to finish it off with, if you know your history, the Everton-based quiz show um, that pits Terry against Max with the, uh, the gold medal of picking what we close the show up with, what kind of tune do you want to hear. Um, they're going to be naming uh, the players who played in a certain Everton match from the past. And that's all I'm giving you. That's it. So, let's talk Cardiff. They're currently, I believe, 18th in the table with 8 points. Um, they recently did just beat Brighton, though. 2-1. Lost to Leicester 1-0. Lost to Liverpool 4-1. And they beat Fulham 4-2. So, Let's start with Terry. Terry, Cardiff's an interesting team because they're one of those teams from the championship who didn't change much. They want they kept their same manager. They kept they didn't buy a lot of players. They wanted to keep a, a certain stability uh, because I, th- I think they were trying to learn from the previous time they got promoted. Um, very, very different than Fulham. What do you see 
in this in this Cardiff, te- Cardiff team and their chances of survival and pretty much whatever you want to say about them. I don't. I, no, the one the 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 one of the weakest the weakest teams that have come up from the championship and even even their own manager acknowledges that. I mean, I've got respect for clubs who who try and keep the squads together when they come up and try and like give those players who've earned promotion a chance to have a crack at the big time. And plenty of players have become Premier League stars from that, where by, by excelling in a promoted side when they come up. But I just don't see Cardiff just haven't got the players to stay up. I mean, I, I this game coming up, I can't see anything other than a Everton win and a comfortable Everton win because there's no game changing players. There's no one. They don't have to be a competitive Premier League team. They just have to be better than three others, and I just don't see them being better than any any other teams at all. I can see them finishing rock bottom because you know Fulham, who are currently struggling, will will go out mm. and spend money to try and um, to, to fight against the situation they're in, whereas Cardiff are just going to soldier on. And I mean, I just can't see it. I yeah. don't mm. see anything from them that makes me think they've got any chance of staying up. Maxwell, what do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with Terry. I see that. I see them as just I, I just they're just kind of limp towards the finish line. I think. Um, I don't want to call them a prehistoric football inside, but I think if if you manage by Neil Warnock, he's just one of those managerial journeymen, isn't he? And it's kind of blood guts and snot with him, isn't it? Really, it always makes me laugh because I never think of Neil Warnock. You ever remember a few years back there was vines that went about and there was a fella who was really good at editing motion pictures onto like um so like you take clips and put people's faces on them or whatever. And he took Neil Warnock and he put him on Tony Soprano's mum off the Soprano. <laughs> yes, yes, I've seen that because he looks just like her. Liv Soprano. So oh. like, whenever I look at Neil, saying that though, um the. I I don't I haven't seen them from the actual source, so whether they're from programs, I don't know. There's there's videos that kind of circulate social media about Neil Warnock, particularly from his time at Sheffield United, where he's in the dressing room and yeah, more often I've than seen not, these more often than not, Jags is there, and he's just he's just not scared of giving them an unrelenting bollocking. Um, yeah. And I've got to be honest, I like seeing that from a manager sometimes that kind of tries to keep his players' feet on the ground. And um, I think he's certainly got his work cut out for him with this Cardiff side. But I've got nothing against Cardiff. It's not that I, that I don't like them. I remember after um, Malky Mackay was sacked and he got Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in, uh, I think he just got beat by Liverpool and it was that 13-14 season where Liverpool you know, were storming and looking like they were going to win the league. Um, and I think after they just got beat by Liverpool, someone asked Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, do you see Liverpool being genuine title contenders? And he just turned around and went, couldn't care less. So from that, I kind of got a bit of um, a liking, liking towards towards Cardiff. But um, no, I, I, I do see an Everton victory. I don't want to jinx it at all. But um, I think we sh- we're we in a position now, I think, where we, we're going to overpower these teams that are technically and physically weaker than us. Mm. Saying that, I think a point that needs to be brought up is that a very physical side, um, I think in the 12 games, they've so far in the league, I think that not necessarily always for them, but there's been four red cards, so I think they always bring out the physicality in a side, whoever they're up against. Mm. So I think that will be an, an interesting thing to keep a lookout for. That is a good point. Uh, I mean, I, it seems pretty clear that they're a championship 
side. You know, when you watch them play, they look like they are consistent and scrappy, you know, physical, consistent and scrappy. And that's, yeah, they're going to, they may do some things to get your, to get your blood boiling, try to get you, uh, try to get you a silly card here or there. Um, I expect them to come out and be really physical with us. I'm just expect just I mean that's what everybody's been doing, but I think Cardiff would be doing it anyway, regardless of who we are. Um, I look at this squad: possible starters, Etheridge, uh, is it Equile Mangala or Equile Manga, uh, Morrison, Solbamba, Cunningham, Harris, Gunnarsson, uh, Rawls, Josh Murphy, Camarasa, and Patterson. Uh, if I just looked at that, because I watched them play last week because I knew we were come, playing them soon. If I had just looked at that today without having seen them last week, the only image I would get in my head, the only person I would know is Josh Murphy. And that's because I think we were connected with either him or his brother a couple of years ago yeah. about us possibly being interested in buying him from Norwich, I think. Yeah. And uh, so it's just a team, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's not <clears> – <throat> I looked at uh, their starting striker, Patterson, he's last a stra- week. He's a strange one, isn't he? He's one of, Just look at him, one man. Of, one, of, one of football football's <laughs> weird utility, man. Like, he, yeah. he played at right back for the uh, the Scottish national team the other day, didn't he? <laughs> like, I didn't know that. So strange. I've got an opposition view coming up with, an, uh, with a card of supporters, so I think I'm going to pry on that matter. Cause yeah. I always find football's utility men quite, uh, quite interesting. If you look at him though, he looks like a player in a wrong in the wrong era. He just looks like somebody from like the eighties. Huh. He just doesn't look like a product of two thousand eighteen right now. Something about his mustache and everything. But he's he got a scrappy I think it was a scrappy header last last week. Just kind of ball bouncing around and he just managed to get ahead on it. Managed to get ahead on it. Um Dangerman, you know. He's he's their leading scorer. Junior Patterson Hoyle. is. Hoylet. Yeah, I put Hoylet forward. I remember mm. when he played for Blackburn. There was one game where he caused us quite a bit of trouble. I think we give away a few penalties mm. against him. And when he moved to QPR, I think he scored against us, and it was quite a good individual goal. And you know whatever, and I like when it comes to certain players, they'll always kind of give a pedestal to certain players to go on and and have a good game. But he hasn't quite hit heights this season. I don't think he's not even starting, isn't he? I think he was the top sco- top, yeah. top goal scorer last season, but he's not getting in the side, which just it kind of writes it all for him to come off the bench and get the winner in the last minute. But <laughs> I suppose we'll see. I was also going to say Murphy as well, yeah. just because he looked really confident last week. It's nil nil in the last minute, mate. You've got to ask serious questions if he's going to stop overdrawing of any kind. But they've got they still got Bobby Reid. Is this striker at Cardiff? Not sure. I don't actually know. I'd have to look at it. I think they out. have, but we were linked with them last summer. You know, when panic mode set in, when the Giroud deal collapsed, I think we were linked with them. I thought it was Zahor. Oh, like yeah. That's cheap. Big striker. He's yeah. actually, I think he's hurt right now. I'm not sure if he's uh, on to be able to play or not. Yeah. I, was, uh, I just thought, of, yeah, it was Zahor, you're right. I was. That was one of the connections. I just remembered that we actually got quoted, though, something silly, but um, like 30 million for him. Yeah, it was 30. And I thought Steve Walsh would probably pay that, but. Um, he wanted to, I think. Yeah. But I um, don't know. We'll, we'll bide our time, wait till January. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you look at their defence, the way I look at it now with these teams coming to Goodison, unless it's one of the top teams, I just look at their defence more than anything because they're going to more than likely set up defensively because they're going to Goodison. And if you see what Richarlison and Sigurdsson and everyone else did to um, Brighton's defence with Duffy and Dunk, they're much better than Cardiff's defenders and, and look at the, the, the torture they did, they inflicted on them. So I, I can't... I mean, I've just thoroughly jinxed it, I know, but we've got to, we've got to really put a good performance in against Cardiff and get a good win. Clean sheets, ideally, to two clean sheets would be nice to take into the derby back to back, because then it breed confidence that we're uh, we're ready to take on a really strong attack. Because if we concede against Cardiff, you, everyone's going to be nervous going to Anfield, aren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, what's your prediction, Derry? Um. I'm going to go with 3-0. Ah, 3-0. Sounds like uh, the prediction of a, of a genius. <laughs> I'm not sure if you caught on what I'm just saying there, but yeah. Go ahead, Max. What do you predict? 2-0. 2-0. 3-0. Blues. <laughs> uh, I, normally don't, I normally don't pick anything that, that swelled. I normally don't. Um, I just feel like we look really strong right now, and I feel like Cardiff, with their consistency, they they just sort of look the way I expect them to look the same way they did a few weeks ago. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we look really electric on the attacking end right now. I agree. Mm. So, anything else on this, guys? Um, um I, I don't know if we mentioned it, but actually Williams has just been caught out calling Cardiff fans mugs. I, mean, I suppose he's still attached to the club, so that's quite topical. But uh, yeah, he got caught calling uh, Cardiff fans mugs on international GC. I'm sure that'll go down well. What does that even mean? Seriously? A mug? I don't know. Yeah. Idiot. Fool. Like, could be taken advantage of easily, more or less. Ah. So, uh... Ashley Williams continuing his brilliant career trajectory <laughs> was was hit, <clears throat> was it hitting the opposition's uh, was it keeper last year was that, was that yeah. not enough uh, inciting our getting one of our fans so jacked up when he was holding a baby uh, <laughs> yeah uh, old Ashley um, Ash Williams yeah I, I continually forget about old Ash. Coming to Everton just did something to him. He was seen as like this really no nonsense, like strong leader at Swansea, and he was, you know, the captain of the national team and old school defender. And when we came to us, he had one season and he came back to pre season after that. And it looked like he'd been going to festivals for a year and ever he had like dreadlocks and put on loads of weight and everything. And then he started acting and acting like a fool and Acting a mug, if you will, elbowing players <laughs> that literally gets sent off. It's like, what the heck? What happened to you? <laughs> now he's on loan to wind his contract down. It's like, I think he just uh, it, here's here's me actually giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. I think last season there was a lot of confusion with our players. Period. I don't think they were given enough instruction. I think you look at Michael Keane as being Exhibit A. What he's doing this season under Silva, I, I do I think that. 
Ash Williams should have should be starting here if he was with us. No, he's not good enough. He's not as good as the other players. But I think he would have performed better with a manager who specifically said, "This is your role, man." You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't make him more athletic. <laughs> you know, but I I think he, you you were looking at a guy who just wasn't a happy guy. I think he wasn't a happy player. To give my two cents on the matter, I think it was doomed from the start. Really, if you brought in to replace John Stones. And you're not an absolute Rolls Royce of a centre half, then I just don't think it was going to work out for you anyway. To be honest, I see. I was expecting a player who's not going to be doing like Cruyffs in the back and possibly give away an easy goal. But one of the things he did frequently was give away easy goals. That's mm-hmm. the one thing I expected him not to do was do stupid shit. And what did he do? Yeah. You know, he made a lot of mental errors, which was not characteristic of him. Yeah, he signs him. Two minutes before his legs went and his brain went apart somehow. It's just like, <laughs> uh, just that's one of those things, isn't it? But yeah, at least he's not our problem anymore. He's just, he's our, he's our player, but is because we're not going to renew that contract. It's going to just run down, and then so long. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah poor Stoke. They still have to deal with him. Credit to In Silver. reality, I'm not actually saying poor Stoke, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Credit to Silver, though. He, he weeded out a lot of bad, bad apples in that first summer. Like So many players left, even if it was just on loan to get rid of them, because he was like, I don't want you around. Go train by yourself. I, this is my group, and I'm going to train with this group. And now look at the, the team spirit. It's gone through the roof. And yep, Marcel. That was the, what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. They, they they brought the right guys to come in too. Good uh, good good vibes, you know. Um, yeah, um, it's nice to be able to look back on last season and say, ah, it's not today, is it? You know. <laughs> thank thank God. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess that's it for our Cardiff preview. Terry and I being a little brave with three nil prediction. Max with his uber-conservative 2-0 prediction. Not that conservative, you know what I mean. Um, are, we, are we possibly um, not giving Cardiff enough respect? Possibly. We'll find out, though. I feel like, I feel like we're okay. Um, anyway, that's it for our Cardiff preview. Stay tuned. We'll be talking about uh, Bramley Moore Capacity um, branching into stadium discussion. We're going to do that because uh, we're Everton supporters and we have something to say about it. Jerry, Max, Terry. That's right. We're trio today. Uh, And we're here. uh, We're going to talk about Branley Moore capacity, specifically capacity. So we are not going to get into a lot of the specifics of the financials because none of us are financial as experts unless these guys have been holding out on me. Uh, I'm, I'm 20 years old and in student debt, Eddie. I'm not a financial expert. <laughs> uh, so we are just going to be giving our opinions as supporters. Um, if you want specifics, listen to the Everton Business Matters podcast. Uh, that's it, get, it goes in depth. Read uh, the ESCs, the case for 60000 I think that's out there. There's lots of information about it. Um, however, we've got Max and Terry and me here. So, some initial thoughts. Let's start with Max this time because it's his turn. Uh, Max, your initial thoughts. 60K, yay 
or nay. You see how I did that with the poetry? Uh-huh. Smooth. Oh, my God. I'm going <clears> to <throat> put it on my CV. Anyway, go ahead. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a strange one for me. Personally, I just say throw caution to the wind and go for the 60,000 because if you, you know, if you want to implement a long you know, long-term future, you obviously want to be able to, to sell that 60K out. I look at Manchester City as an example and the Etihad Stadium that I go to often. I think that's, what's that, 55,000? Now, I think Everton have a much larger fan base than Manchester City that would actually go to the game. So, I don't, would we sell out 60k? Because we certainly sell out Goodison. And what's, what's Goodison? Exactly. I'm, I couldn't tell you off the top of the head what's Goodison exactly. 39. 39. Yeah. We, you know, we sell out Goodison comfortably. So... I don't know, it, it's either 60 or 55, isn't it? I think that we're going to roll with. I, I, I go with the 60, because I think if we want to reach the upper echelons of being you know, a top European side, that's the, the, you know, that's the capacity that you're going to have to you know, facilitate. Terry, what about you? There's, I'm very conflicted about it, really, because there's two schools of thought, and I can see merit on both sides. I mean, on the one hand, a lot of people are very eager for the 60,000 because, you know, it's it's a statement of intent. It's um, it's future-proofing because if you build it smaller, then you've obviously, you, you're sort of capping yourself. You, you know, you're not allowing yourself to grow any bigger because we will comfortably fill a 55,000-seater stadium, but whether we will... 60,000, like, I, I don't think the club itself, I don't think Everton have the confidence in that right now. I think they feel that they could in the future, but on opening, I think they'd be worried that there'd be 5,000 empty seats until the team improves on the pitch. Not necessarily, I don't agree with that. And as Max said, then he thinks, and I think we'd we'd sell up 60,000, but it's what the club thinks. Now, the whole point of getting a new stadium is to increase revenue. Now, if you want to keep the prices at affordable levels and low, like they've frozen the uh, ticket prices this week, then more seats is better because in order to improve revenue, if with um, a smaller capacity compared to the potential bigger capacity, you'd have to raise the prices. So 60,000 seats at an affordable level is the same as 50,000, 55,000 with a slight increase. But, Despite all that in favour of 60,000, the thing that sticks with me is how reluctant Dan Meese was when he was asked about the 60,000. He was very... He didn't come out and say, no, I don't want 60,000, but he was like, mm, considering the site, the size of it, and the design I want and to make it iconic, he, I sort of got the vibe that he thinks the right capacity would be less than 60,000. And I've got time for that. I... I've got a lot of faith in the professionals when it comes to stadium design. I know we may want well, we want sixty thousand because West Ham have got that, and we're bigger than West Ham, or Liverpool are going to get that, and we want to compete with them in the city. And but then if the architect and the club itself are thinking, you know what, we've got all this sort of data that supports fifty five thousand, but you get so much more for that given given the site and how iconic it'll look and for the sake of an extra five thousand seats it's not worth it. I, I don't know. There's I mean there's all kinds of different ways you could look at it. Fifty five thousand um 
or, or sixty thousand more expensive corporate seats might be able to make you know generate more money. There's there's so many variables that I honestly we were doing this, <clears throat> this segment and I've come into it. I don't know which I would prefer. There's merit on both sides, but I, I'm just gonna I'm literally gonna wait to see what the club announce, see what their rationale is. If it's if they've if they cave to the overwhelming sort of feeling of supporters, which is I think for sixty thousand, great. See if you can make it work. Let's 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 go for it. Let's dream big. But if they come out and make a good case for fifty five, go here. It's fifty five. Here's why. Here's what you're gonna get for that decrease in desired seats you're going to get all these extra things that you're going to love be fine with that as well yeah that led to my next uh next question terry you you kind of answered it already but if we're talking about iconic unique landmark stadium with 55 instead of 60 would you be okay with less at that point, Terry? And then we'll go to Max. Yeah, absolutely. That that was the initial starting point opinion. But yeah. then I, I, I sort of swing between the two because there's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be. I would sooner have the right capital R, right stadium um, for less seats if it's if it's ours, if it's the iconic waterfront stadium on the, the Mersey <laughs> rather than we lose a lot of what would make that great to fit more seats in for to for the bigger number because it's more satisfying. I I would rather if you offer me a better stadium for fifty five, more iconic, more more signature Everton, definitely going to go for that. I'll I'll forego the seats. And I think just a hunch. I obviously don't know, but I think that's the way the club are going to go, and that they're going to probably push it that way. That this is the right stadium for Everton and the capacity you may think it should be more but honestly you'll you'll appreciate it when you get it Max well again reiterating I'm no expert at this but I couldn't necessarily see how an extra 5,000 would grossly distort the stadium and take it away from being iconic really Um, but on that note that is something that is is constantly repeated by Dan Mice. How it's going to be, you know, a, you know, a career-defining project for himself, and how he wants to make it iconic. And of course, if that comes with it being fifty-five thousand, then I, you know, I've got no issue with that. I think what a, a big thing what's coming across, particularly with what Terry's saying as well, is we just want the new stadium. To be honest, it, it like it's been coming. This it comes with not a rebranding, but it, it gives a refreshed image to the club. You look at the well. It's going to happen to Tottenham. It's happened at Atletico Madrid, um, particularly with the iconography of the location as well on the banks of the Royal Blue Mersey. It's going to do us wonders, and it's, you know it's going to benefit the local economy. It's going to have so many, you know, plus sides and benefits. One thing that I do think is worth mentioning that Everton as a football club, I don't think we generate enough revenue from ticket income as our rivals because, like Terry said, you know we've persistently frozen our prices, which I think you know is the ethical thing to do. So I think if we roll with the 60,000, that would, you know, it, it, it future-proofs it and it gives us that extra revenue, obviously, which is ultimately as a business and as a club, we want to generate more profit from, from ticket. And then, you know, you don't want to cap yourself at 50, 55, you know, if you want to push on. It's tough. Do you look at... Is it all about? I mean, we have a, 
I'm assuming you have a similar saying, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, yeah. Do do you just do you look at the other clubs and say, we go there? You know, this these are the the top, you know, eight clubs in terms of capacity with their stadiums. Do we need to nestle in there, or do we say, forget you? We worry about ourselves. We worry about who Everton are right now, who Everton is right now, and we and we and we worry about and we focus on our own world. And I don't know the answer to that, you know, because I, I've always kind of gotten the impression that that Everton are are, are kind of focused on themselves, and not worried about trends as much. Um, which I find, you know, refreshing. Uh, however, if we're building a new stadium, is it a small club mentality to think we can't fill that? I, do, I think we can fill it. I, I like, honestly, I feel like if you look at the, the, the different research that's out there, I think filling a stadium that's 60K is very possible for, for Everton. I think they, will, they, will, they would find a way to do it regularly and i think the growth of 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 the supporters uh, i think we just you'd see a phenomenal growth um yeah it, from from uh, the business and marketing perspective if the product that being the football on the pitch improves yes. that will bring you know that will bring more of an audience so yeah i agree definitely um but there's always the possibility that they say if the club builds a smaller stadium and gives a logical reason, one of those like, look, we couldn't work it out because of the because of the lay of the land, because of all the different stuff we had to put around it. Because it's not just a stadium they're putting there. They're putting a whole community, essentially, in that area. If they come in and say, look, it's got to be 53 and it's because of the area we're putting it in, because of everything we're building around it. Is there going to be that part of you that worries it's that small club mentality with them being paranoid about not being able to fill it? Is there, are you, are you going to, is there going to be that part of you that says you want to call bullshit and just say, wait a second, you know? I feel like Everton supporters kind of have that ingrained into themselves to kind of be able to look at look at the people in ownership and the people in you know the head the head people and say look that's not right why are you thinking we're small you know um, I think Elstone is one of the ones that has particularly been called out on that in the past uh, <laughs> but he's gone now mm-hmm. he's not there anymore so but are you going to have that little nugget that's maybe a little skeptical that maybe there's some some other reasons for it that's not just the logic max you want to start with that um i, I think there's been a you know in terms of the the back the you know the uh, the boardroom hierarchy obviously there's been a lot of changing and, and shifting mm-hmm. that's occurred and i feel like slowly but surely you know a big air club mentality is surging its way into the club um you're certainly seeing that by Mashiri's kind of involvement with, you know, investing and pumping money into the team, which it's clear that he does want to improve the product. And he has been, you know, the trailblazer in pushing on and, and, and you know, taking these these baby steps that needed to be took to, to get that new stadium down. Um, 
it, it, it's obviously a move in the right direction, no matter what. I think I'm going back to the point where I'm just happy that we're, we're finally getting this new stadium. You know, yeah. I remember back in the day, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't quite old enough to comprehend it, but I remember the Kirby thing. Everyone was a bit up in arms about moving to Kirby, and everyone seems to be quite settled on this. There was, you know, obviously there was a lot of a uh, conflict over Walton Hall Park as well, but everyone seemed to just, you know, be content with this. And like, like Terry said before. No, if if we have to wait, then we'll wait. No worries. But as long as we carry on going in this correct direction, which I personally feel like we are both on and off the pitch. Yeah, I think Terry actually mentioned something that I actually think is the case, which is what Dan Mice was saying, which is he's been dropping big hints it's going to be less than 60. Okay? He's given those hints on Twitter basically saying, look, (laughs) it can be iconic and give you the atmosphere you want. He seems very hell-bent on making sure the atmosphere is is similar to that at Goodison. He is very – and it's interesting. He has tied himself so much to the club to where he seems like a legitimate Everton supporter now. But it's almost like it better be perfect, Dan. You know what I mean? If you're if you're if you're all for it now, it clearly matters to him a lot. You know, um, so I, I, Terry, I think you're right. If it's less than sixty, I think it's going to be because Dan Dan has figured this is the best bang for your buck in terms of atmosphere. He wants he's faithful to Goodison. I mentioned this other stuff just because I feel like you hear a lot of that on Twitter. You see a lot of people on Twitter talking about small club mentality. And we can definitely fill it. What are you thinking? You know what I mean? And that's why I ask you guys, because you guys have been Everton supporters longer than I have. And you, are you going to still have that little jaded party where, where you're like, I don't know. So, Terry, what about you? I mean, I understand people who would feel like that because we've been down this this road before. But, but no, I wouldn't have that just because I would have had it if this was the previous administration, I don't think Mashiri would would go would be on board for that small, you know, small club mentality for everybody. Mm-hmm. Clearly I in the transfer market and everything else he wants to do doesn't think like that. He wants to wants to improve us, but he wants to make us bigger than we are now. But I'm just this this stadium move ideally will be the first step of taking the club truly global, because right now we're like a we're a big English club, but we've our global footprint is quite small, especially when you compare it to our contemporaries um, in the Premier League. Any of the t- we're the seventh best team on the pitch, and we're a clear seventh biggest in terms of branding. Now this stadium, it could ideally would be the first steps to taking that going into that next level now. I I just think I I I think Dan Meese is right. I think the right stadium again. I say capital R. The right the sweet spot stadium for Everton will be better than having the number be higher, which will it, it might not even matter to anyone except us. Like I know it, it does matter with the amount of seats you can fit in it. But if he says, listen. I know you want 60, but it's 56, and here's why. And just here's some drawings. Look at it. I think a lot of that will go away. I think when the concept art comes out, it will a lot of the doubts people have got. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. To answer the question, I've gone a bit round the houses. I don't think it'll be a small time thing. I think it'll be a realistic thing. 
I think it'll be well. My Dan Meese might turn around and say, "Well, my brief was to make it as to take the best from Goodison with us to take that sort of sort of a steep, close to the pitch atmosphere and make it a real intimidating cauldron." Um, and you can't have that with um, these extra seats because it doesn't tie into the way the design is, and it'll you know it'll move things around, and you'll lose a bit of that for the sake of having a higher number, more satisfying number. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 one thing I'm saying of, I don't think if it's if it's less than sixty, I don't think it's a small mentality. I think it's a a fact of the site we want, and people forget this site. We thought this river, this riverside. Um, stadium. We thought it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with the King's Dock. We thought we'd missed out on the, one of the best opportunities for a new stadium ever. And it come back around and we're now sort of quibbling, well, there's not enough seats. I, I think we need to just check for a second that we're, we're our, you know, our Christmas list has come true. We like we honestly went before we had Farad Mashiri. <laughs> was listed. What would you like? And like, okay, we want the stadium on the riverside. We want brand new team. We've we've got all that. I think we need to lose sight of that sometimes because at mm, one point the new stadium definitely. just a it was just a the idea of a new Everton stadium was just one of the sort that make Evertonians roll their eyes. Because we'd had so many false dawns. We'd had Kirby, we'd had Watmore Park, mm. Kingstock. I don't know. I think this this stadium is something we're all going to have to be patient with and understanding with because this time feels different, put it that way. Certainly mm-hmm. hope so. I like, <clears throat> I like the idea of having... I think we've obviously learned the lesson from West Ham. Okay? There's a lesson there. I know when I when I my buddies of West Ham supporter, I said, "Hey man, you got a, a nice big stadium coming up this year. You guys, and, and you know what? You got a bunch of players that want to play in that big stadium, man." And I was like, "You should be pretty hype right now." And then I watched one game there, and I told him, "I said, you know what I said about that nice stadium?" <laughs> hmm. I was no. like, "It's a void, man, where where sound goes to die." Um, so it's, it's, it's a rough, it's rough. So the idea of having a place, uh, iconic that, that is just, is electric in terms of atmosphere, like Borussia Dortmund, where, you know, that their stadium, yeah, it's a, it's a wall, it's a wall of sound and it is, it is amazing. Um, the idea of being able to sit there and feel, feel the energy of of your of your fellow you know supporters that would be huge and that's looking at it from the inside not even looking at it from the outside you know with the drone footage or anything like that you know um, I think if we get we get something iconic that allows for some serious growth for the club to start making that global impact I think I think we will be satisfied I think we will be happy. I mean, my prediction is I don't think it's going to be 60,000. You know, I, I, I just don't. After hearing what Mice has to say and reading his clues, I don't think so. Um, but uh, do I want 60K? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I'm envious. I'm really envious. And I don't want to have to hear Liverpool supporters coming up to me, you bought a new stadium, you got a new stadium, and you don't even have 60,000? What the hell? And I'm just, I just don't want to hear them talk anymore. So yeah, that's a that's a thing. 
But we're we're onto our third stadium in the city. They haven't even built one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they say stuff about us paying rent. Yeah. Eh. Anyway, but uh, do you guys actually think? Just really quick predictions. Do you think it'll be sixty k max? No, it'd be on the touch side under. And Terry, you sh- you were shaking your head. You don't think so either? No, I, I like, like yourself. I think um, I think what Dan Meese has been saying t- says it all. I think it'll be under. Uh, I think it'll be higher than it was going to be due to the reaction. But I don't think it'll hit sixty. And I think they'll they'll do a real good sale job when it comes out. Why it's not sixty and probably put put some nice pictures out to uh, take the take the sting out of it. That sounds really logical. So, uh, yeah. So I guess that's, that's it for our uh, Bramley Moore capacity discussion. Again, uh, if you want a really in-depth look at this in terms you can pretty much understand, ESC has that, uh, the case for 60000 I'll try to remember to put a link to that in the description because um, it is worth your time. I mean, and I understood it. And who am I? So I guess that's uh, that's it. Um, uh, coming up, we're going to have a, a discussion about Everton's worst Premier League signings. So could be fun, hey? Everton's worst Premier League signings. And uh, being kind of a fledgling Everton guy, I don't have as much experience. I wrote a couple names down. But I also wrote some other names down. I, I found found various articles on the subject, and I tried to take a smattering. Uh, you guys may have some, though, because you have a lot more experience in this. So I want to start with you, all right? Um, I think with the last uh, segment, I think we began with Max, I believe. So, Terry, worst Everton's worst Premier League signings from your point of view. Depends really how you look at it. I, I I really struggled with this when I found out we were going to do it as a topic because you can think of some really poor footballers, but then a lot of the worst players that we brought in were like they were like for very low money or we made the money back, so they didn't really do any damage. So you could look at it's like Alcaraz or McGeady or players like that and uh, Cuco Martinez in there, but then you can look at it and go well. McGeezy was free and then didn't really do any damage. He just wasn't very good. Alcaraz was free. He, he did do a little bit of damage because he was very influential in costing us a European two-legged game. And um, Martina, not a very good footballer, but came in the side when we, he was needed and did as much as he could. But then you, you could then look at value for money and then say, all right, who came in for big money and didn't do anything? And then... You're looking at totally different players then. Um, I hate saying this because I rate him as a player, but Klassan, he was brought one of the in. Ones I wrote. Yeah. Didn't really play very much. Um, wasn't really up for it physically for the Premier League. Lost money on him, like lost money on his mm-hmm. price tag and paid him a lot in wages to not play. So he's got to be in there, right? Like, you know, like fairly or harshly. The one I'm going to pick for that metric so I've ruled out any players who came in on a free even if they were terrible because they came in on a free you can't really be too annoyed at it but a player who came in for decent money 
and didn't um, live up to expectations. He was he was by nowhere by no means one of the worst players we've had, but he was a big letdown. Was James Beattie? That's one of the ones I've gotten written got written down. So yeah, James Beattie was our record signing at the time, and we at that time did not spend big. I think it was six million pounds, which sounds laughable now. But I actually wrote I, I wrote down eight million. Actually, is it was it six or eight? Yeah, it was six. Um, okay, then someone he, got it wrong. <laughs> he eclipsed Nick Barnby, who was five point five. Who was before him? Wow. So we we were on the crest of a wave. We were playing really well. We were in the top four, and we did finish in the top four that year. But in January, we needed that player to give us a boost in, in momentum and to sign a big, strong target man centre forward, England international. It was just totally different to what we had, and I thought I. We came in and thought, that's going to be a game-changer. He's going to come in. And this solid team that David Moyes has built has now got goals in it. He came in and he he was out of shape when he arrived. He didn't really suit Moyes' team. And he he just... He was the biggest waste of potential, I think. Not in his career, but at Everton. I felt like he could have been a lot better at Everton. So and he cost at the time decent money. So that is probably one of them if you sort of fiddle around with the uh, what qualifies. So kind of put forward to the right honourable gentleman, James Beattie. It's the first name. Gotcha. All right. Made eighty-two appearances for us as well. So um, Max got a name or two. Right. Well, I, I've got a few names, but I want to start off with one before my time. Well, I've, it was in 2000, I think he signed for us. I think, what, what will I mean, like four. But once you hear a supporter actually ran on the pitch and offered to take his shirt at Arsenal. A high I've, I've written people. this down too. Alex Niako coming from Lens. I, like, I don't know how you just can't... How his name was not, it just isn't on your tip of your tongue. If, if, you know, if... A supporter runs on the pitch and says, lad, just give me your shirt. Like, you're just not doing a good enough job. I could do a better job than you. Surely you've got to be considered as just one of the worst Premier League signings ever. Um, a few more, kind of, from where I've got a better memory of it. Uh, Felipe Senderos, do you ever remember that monstrosity of a transfer? We signed some weird players. Um, oh, in, loads in of straight Yeah, like Lucas Neal I wasn't a big fan of. Lars Jacobson. Um, we had just really odd bod strikers. Ever remember? Ever remember Jao Silva? Just some mm. some young Brazilian kid who I think he made a few preseason appearances and and Moyes hyped them up, but he he never delivered. Um, trying to think, Magai Gay, possibly. I, the biggest letdown in that respect being that that um, that semi final against Liverpool, where you know. You wanted Drenthe to cause havoc down that left-hand side and then ended up being Magai Gay, which is a bit of a letdown, you know. But he did, he did put that nice ball in for Jelovic against yeah, Sunderland in the quarter-finals. Royston Drenthe, maybe you could push as... I mean, it was I can't good. include a lone player because they didn't... like they, they, They're sort of cost-neutral. So, for True. me, a, play, a player who's a bad sign is someone who you, you bring in with big expectation and, and decent money. doesn't have to be a massive amount of money, but spent money because he's going to change your team and he just doesn't. So anyone who's on loan who was free, I am, I can't include them. But From from that metric, I think you've got to pick David Clark and then, haven't you? I 
I watched him quite a lot when he was at Ajax, and he really impressed me. And I still wish him well with his career now. Yeah. Um, but it, what a flop that was, really. Yeah, yeah. I, he was the first name I wrote down, and I didn't want to because I like him. He seems like he's got a good attitude. Uh, his recent interviews, he'd been he's been very blunt and honest. But the line about when Allardyce came in, all hope was lost or something. It was, <laughs> you know, I feel like that's kind of how all of us felt. <laughs> mm. um, oh. He's he's very frank, which I I, I kind of appreciate that. Um, and he was respectful, or decently respectful of um, Unsworth. Unsworth, yeah. He was. He was like, "Look, I disagreed with the fact that he thought I needed to be more physical. I don't. I still do. But and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I actually agree with Unsworth. I didn't think you were physical enough. I agree. I didn't think you were athletic enough to play in the Premier League. But whatever. Uh, but Clausen definitely. Um, I wrote down one that I the uh, the only other one that I came up with. Because again, I'm I'm working with my brain, not yours. Um, Is it Yannick Balassi by any chance? No, I was no. going to say value for money wise. You could you could push the yeah, could. just an absolute flop. Going to be up there, value for money wise. Came that from, is a fair like, shout. I mean, he did get injured, but he, he, he for well, that month. You, you yeah. think about it, right? We we signed him for those big games, for example, against against Liverpool, against Manchester United, where they often put a good job in a good job in for Crystal Palace, and he got in. You know. He, he, Blew out before those those games mm. even come up. Um, looking at him out, out on loan, so because right now we're it's not a, it's not the type of segment where we're allowed to say it's not fair to include him because he got injured. You know that's not what this segment yeah, is. It's yeah. it, we're not saying it's the worst Premier League signings because they had no work rate. None of them did. Well, that's not true. Some of them got injured. You know, um, and Balassi did, and I think it's fair to mention him. Um, I wrote down we didn't spend much on him at all, but only because Martinez hyped him up a lot, acted like I, I thought this guy was going to end up being a, a part of our first team setup, and he played one FA Cup game. Let's see the priority. Actually, no, but that's I thought about him too. But the fact that he scored a goal made yeah. me immediately push well, him to the side. The fact he got injured in a bloody warm-up at Stamford Bridge got a factor into <laughs> See, that, was, that, was, that was kind of funny, though, sadly, <laughs> in, re- in retrospect. Do you know who I'm going to say, Terry? No, I was going to say Traore as well. Le- Leandro Rodriguez. Oh, the Uruguayan. The Uruguayan. Yeah. He was a player who he came in and Martinez kind of acted like, hey, this guy's going to play. This guy is ready. What a weird transfer. That was a really strange transfer what for us to bring him in out of the Uruguayan League because it wasn't even the right river. You know what I mean? It wasn't even the river from Argentina. It wasn't River River Plate from there. It was the river in Uruguay. And he wasn't even blowing up that league either. It was such a strange transfer. And that poor guy dealt with homesickness and depression. Um, that's why I felt bad putting it on there, putting him on there. But, yeah. Another know. one that's similar to Klassan in wildly different circumstances, but like expectation and hype versus results, um, was Andy Van der Meijer. Van der Meijer, mm. when we signed him, was an absolute star. He was he was um, one of the, he was a hot winger for the Netherlands when they were like class. They were like well class at the time. Come from Inter, and we got him for a very small amount. I remember being like. 
like docked at the time. Like, how are we even getting him, and and how are we getting him for next to no money? And then obviously, you know, he had a lot of personal problems when he was here. But like, when when you thought you were getting a, an absolute gem of a player, and then he just hardly played. And when he did play, it was mm. you know it was interrupted all the time. So. Again, not a big price, but what you thought you were getting compared to what you got, he's got to be one of those disappointing signings. Hmm. He was on the pitch for the Goslin derby, so I don't know. He's in me good yeah. books for that. I think it's just me. That's my favourite game of all time. So that's what I was going to say, Max. You pretty much forgive any player who who's even connected in that in any way. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you know what? I don't forgive Gosling. I don't forgive Gosling. I don't like the way Gosling conducted himself about leaving the club hmm. and. Uh, Sold himself off as a bit of a bit of a mercenary, but you know I wouldn't include him in a, a worst Premier League. Well, yeah. he, not, where, where he was, he was from Plymouth, wasn't he? We signed him from Plymouth, young lad. He was yeah. a good player. I think pound for pound, it has got to be Classan, hasn't it? Like it, it pains me because I spent all last year defending Classan, thinking he should get a chance, and I, yeah. I still think they think he should have compared to some of the other players who were playing, but he fit. His brain was right, but his body wasn't. He just—he was a good player, but just not for this league. It's happened to plenty of players who look great elsewhere. It's happened to better players than Glasson who come to this league and go, nope, not for me. Doesn't doesn't suit me. And then they go elsewhere and, have, and carry on their careers. But for what we spent compared to what we recouped, it was the biggest loss I think we've made out of the list we've mentioned anyway. And um, a lot of wages for a player who wasn't playing. He was just training every week. So I just want to ask Terry, right? Someone who was, you know, I've seen, I've seen highlights of him for um, for Newcastle and for Tottenham. David Ginola only played one game for us. I know it was very late on in his career, but was that much? Was it that much of a mismatch? Him and Everton at the time. Gold, like we were in, we were into that at the time, like Gascoigne as well, and yeah, and, uh, it's just I, to be honest, that's that's a little bit before my time. Like I, I was old enough to remember that but I came to got into football quite late so I um, didn't really see much of that but I remember hearing about it and it was just that was us at that, at that point we were it's like Allardyce's Bolton like he, you know you just sign these star players um, from different era and hope they might pay off for a season but no he, he, he... but people might even say that Gascoigne's one of them because you know he was a sensational player, but didn't really do it at Everton. So, mm. I, I, I saw a, I saw a special on uh, Ginola. Uh, there's a there's like several different players. It's like a on series ne- on Netflix. On Netflix yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah yes. I saw that, and it seemed like his attitude was he, you know, very very confident in himself. Yeah, you know. Well, look at his two feet. Now he played with a football. He rightfully so. I think. But Was it's it's the kind of thing where. Sometimes it seemed like if you have a certain attitude, though, that kind of thing may not mesh well with certain locker rooms. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, I, I, I agree with that. Um, tell me if these are fair. The one, the other ones that I wrote down from this list. One of them is a loan, which immediately Terry's like doesn't count. But <laughs> by the way, Terry, I totally gave you a southern accent just then. A southern American accent doesn't count, man. But. Uh, <laughs> This one was uh, talk about how this was a weird loan transfer, and it came at, around the time when we actually were getting uh, a sponsorship. And uh, so it's Li Wai Feng. Mm. Apparently, mm. like he had two appearances 
came on loan and everybody was talking about how it was just the 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 stuff that I was reading is just that he was just a strange transfer at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the games he played, he was a centre back alongside Joseph Yovo, and one was Nigerian and one was Chinese. So he got taken off because they couldn't understand each other. <laughs> That's my favourite fact about Lei Wei Feng. But, <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was terrible. That was uh, part of a kit sponsorship deal, like with uh, Kajan. Kajan, yeah. Mm. So okay, that was that. So it was a sponsorship thing. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. Such a strange circumstance. So, uh, would you include? Uh, do you think it's fair to include Per Coldrup on the list with one appearance but injuries? I think we got him uh, again. I don't know if these amounts were correct. This said we got him for five million, and the idea of paying him five million per appearance seems a bit mm. steep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take that, Max? Do you remember him? Because I, I do, clearly, boy. Not really, but about 2004, that was, not it? Yeah, he was um, brought in from Fiorentina. Fiorentina, yeah. yeah. I think he went back to an essay or someone like that, but he was brought in by Moyes. And Moyes uh, had the mildest touch for transfers for the most part. He only, I can count on my hands the amount of bad ones he made because he had to be careful. But he came in, crawled up, and you know he was he was exciting at the time because he was like, a, I think he was an... Um, he yeah, was just like a Danish international already, and you know he was a big profile player. Came in and he wouldn't play him. It was dead. We, like everyone was like, "Why? Why isn't he starting him any games? Like he's still playing weird and stubs, and he's not playing this new player. He spent decent money on, and he got one game at Aston Villa, and he couldn't hit the ball. He, like he was just. I think <laughs> there was all rumours like we'd signed the wrong player. We'd scouted his centre back partner. I don't really believe that, but that was the, that was the talk at the time. And I think it's come out in other people's, in like certain players from that era's books. Like I think Weir Stubbs and maybe even Osman uh, might be a little bit before Osman's time. But um, yeah, he, he got to training and it, it, probably a early version of what Classam was, but obviously under different circumstances where he got to England and whilst he looked great somewhere else, like, oh, we can't deal with it. He really gets pushed off the ball by strikers and... Duncan Ferguson was in the squad at the time, so you can imagine in training, Duncan Ferguson's trying to win headers against them, and Crawls up must never have won a single one. Mm-hmm. But he went back in the January for like three point six million or something like that. So we recouped his fair amount of money and just moved on from him. But he he's up there for bad buys because for the same reason, more extreme version of that, my reason for BT that came in for all right money at the time and just didn't fit, but mm-hmm. was much more quickly moved on and. Tried again. Uh, Max, were you going to say something? I don't want to. I was going to say I don't want to piss Edward off, but I want to nominate Almanias. <laughs> like I know he's. I know obviously he kind of he, he kind of put the nails in the coffin of Cumin and quite fittingly, but thirteen point five million pounds from Locomotive Moscow to like Russian Player of the Year scored you know scored all these you know half full of opportunist goals, poaching in the penalty area. And, you know, I think one of his first... Uh, what was it? I think it was, was the form of his first game, because I remember in the Leicester game as well, it, you know, when he just showcases touch and it just like, it goes out for throwing, like a throwing, and you just like... I remember he, just, he, he just looked like a competition winner at, at first, didn't he? I think he's obviously kind of acclimatised a lot more now, and he does have a certain impact when he does come on. But at first, he just looked like a competition winner and never 13 and a half million. I think he's worked his way off this potential list. I think he, if a year and a half, two years ago, he would have been easily, he would, wouldn't have been a, a topic to discuss. Mm. 
just dead him straight away. But yeah. no, he's 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 grafted and and like worked his way off this list. He can't be on there because he scored goals, he impacted games, and it thirteen and a half million. Well, seemed a lot at the time is is not now. So mm. no, still not a great player. Not a not a not a not in the Nias camp. But now I can't. For me, I can't put him on a list of players. Yeah. Not now, anyway. He would have been number one not long ago. Yeah, I, I I agree. A couple years ago, you immediately jump and say, "Yes, he is the winner." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't even need to say anyone else because he. But but now the fact that he's won us games, mm-hmm. he's come on and literally, almost by himself, you know, given gotten us points, especially last season, in the dark days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I also, but but Max, I don't think you're alone. That's why one of the reasons you saying that. I think there are a lot of viewers and listeners out there who are going to hear that and say, "Yeah, I nominate him because I have two eyes." <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I I feel like you hear that. You see that on Twitter all the time. Yeah. People are like, "Yeah, I don't mm. care." Yeah, sure, he scored goals. I don't care. His first touch goes to Ireland. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so, yeah. yeah. So that's why you saying that, Max, I get it. I don't, I wouldn't put him on the list just because he's gotten us points and technically that's better, that's a better bargain than these others. But, yeah, the first touch thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. But um, the other, the other last name on the list, and tell me if it's fair to put uh, someone with as decorated a past as Marco Matarazzi on the list. I think it's sent off for Evan. Oh, he, uh, yeah. he amassed a couple of red cards in, in mm-hmm. his appearances. He only had 27 appearances. Not his most famous red card. That would come a lot later. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. That's a little bit before my time. But um, Ashley Williams? So, you know, it, so, many from, so many from the last couple of years. Almost just being a kind of trial and error club with money. Comes with spending money now. Like yeah. you, you, like we're not used to it, but clubs do this all the time. Even like the better clubs will go, yeah, we've signed some absolute duds. Mm. But uh, he came in for nine million, did an okay job at first, and then mm-hmm. devolved to the point where he was embarrassing the club like across Europe by, you know, fighting with the you know the the Leon goalkeeper and. Yeah. You know, like he, yeah, in the league, he was getting himself sent off deliberately and just everything. Just every like he, he's got to be considered for me because we spent proper money on him. Got about six months worth of playing out of him, and I, you wonder like the improved defense under Kuman. How much of that was Williams being more defensively sound than Stones, or just not having Roberto Martinez as the manager anymore? Would Stones? Well, I think I was about to word this as a question, but there's no doubt in my mind that Stones, if he'd stayed, would have been much better defensively just by virtue of not having Martinez. That, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So you can't really pin the improved defence on Williams. I think he was a terrible boy. Mm. I agree. <sighs> I think I look now and I. you look at what happened to Williams, you have to think he's a terrible boy now. You know what I mean? I do think he... Came in in crap circumstances that didn't help him, but yeah, and I think he would have done better if Silva was here. But still, I mean, you you only have the sample size which you have to look at. 
you know, can't really develop, you know, base these kind of things on what ifs. Mm. Um, so, yeah. The fact that he did put in a, a stretch of passable work, I think, does kind of make the argument for putting him off the list. But last last year is really, really fresh and sensitive. Mm. <laughs> Just saying. <clears throat> I remember Allardyce. And, yeah, that was bad. So, um, yeah, so I guess that's it for our Everton's Worst Premier League Signings segment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz show that pits Terry against Max. So uh, the way this this one is going to work, this particular cage match, um, yeah, uh, these guys are going to have to name the, uh, the starting 11 and the subs uh, that played for Everton in the 2-0 win over Liverpool October 17th, 2010. Okay. okay. Um, so for you gents, was that the last time Everton beat the shite? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So say. that's awesome. I realize it's a long time ago and we're supposed to be a little disheartened, but that's awesome you were there. That kicks ass. Just saying. Um, <laughs> sorry, I get all like geeking out about about my friends like, uh, it being just a cool shit. makes me so sad that that's the last time that we beat them. Uh, oh, I know. Like I said, that's, it is a little awful. bit of a downer, but yeah. Um, regardless, we are going to be uh, naming the starters and the subs. Uh, so you guys were, were around for this. Uh, so I expect you to not miss any of these guys. Just saying. We'll see. I'm not going to set you up for failure, though. You know, I'm not going to put the expectations up too high, but I expect perfection. So, uh, we need to flip the memory card for those for those of you listening. uh, I don't have a coin because I don't believe in change. (laughs) Ha. Anyway, so yeah, aha. Uh, But here it is. We've got a memory card. This is heads. This is tails. Who is calling it? On you, I'll go tails. Oh, oh Max just, oh, his little heart just broke. Terry just stole it. Oh. Ready? I'm flipping, and it is heads actually, and then it fell off. Does that count? Are you guys fine with it falling off? It's heads. All right, Max. We know you want to go first. Yeah, please. So, um, yeah, cue intense quiz music, and there it is. So, Max, begin. Which players uh, played for Everton in the 2 0 win over Liverpool October 17th, 2010? Mikel That is correct. Terry. Tim Howard. Tim Howard. <clears throat> he was okay. That is correct. Leighton Baines. <laughs> Leighton Baines. That's correct. Phil Neville. That is correct. Yakubu. That is correct. Uh, 
see the gears in Terry's head turning. Sorry, I lost connection. And did you hang? Oh, so it was okay. Okay, <laughs> funny story for people listening. To uh, to me and Max, we oh, just saw Terry thing? totally frozen in thought. Okay, because evidently his connection had frozen. So me and Max were under the impression that Terry was just thinking really hard, but he had lost connection. No, <laughs> so, Phil Neville. Well, you said Phil Neville. I got that. Oh, so Max has done another one and I've missed yes, it. Yes, Max said uh, Yakubu. Sylvan Distan. Sylvan Distan, that is correct. Leon Osman. Leon Osman is correct. This is getting exciting. Phil Jagielka. Phil Jagielka. Yes, he was there. He played. I've just had, I've just had Tim Kale. You have not, but you have now. Okay. That is correct. He was there. He played. Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman is correct. Who's been said so far? Okay, you have said Howard, Baines, Jagielka, Distan, Neville, Coleman, Arteta, Cahill, Osman, Yakubu. And the impressive part about this, guys, is that they all started. Hmm. You have nearly named the entire starting 11. Okay, just a quick update on the quiz I need to interject here. Um, Apparently... We got mixed up, and we lost track of who was going. And so Terry ends up going twice in a row, possibly corrupting the entire rest of the quiz. Anyway, on with the show. Whose goal is it now? I, I believe it's Terry's, correct? Because you just said Cahill? Right. Oh, no, hold on. Yeah, I actually don't remember. I think you did say KL last. Okay, okay. Um, Jan Heitinger. I'm sure he played. He will have played, won't he? Oh, I think he may have come off the bench because I liked Heitinger. Remember so is I- that your guess? Is that your guess? Yeah, yeah John Heitinger. Yeah. That is correct. That was <laughs> the starting 11. Uh, um... Have we, have we named the starting 11 now? Yes, you've named the starting 11. Oh, so we're into subs. Predicated on that was the season that we signed him. And I got his name on the back of the home shirt that season, Jermaine Beckford. He came in for Arteta in the 74th minute. So yes, that is correct. Hmm. Oh, that's so difficult. Um, I think I've got one. I think I've got one. I think I've got one. <laughs> Do you want to give it to me? Because I can't. <laughs> uh, so we've got the starting 11 plus Beckford. Dave and Pino? We would have started. Oh. Yeah, Pinar is not on there. Oh. Okay. Pinar is not on there, and he was not on the bench either. Uh, so do I lose, or does he have to get the next one right? Was, it, was he gone then, or was he injured? 
Was he um, then already? Or? I don't actually know. I have no idea. Um, no, because when, when he was gone, we had like Drenther and that, so I think he must have just been injured. Mm. Have we not named? Have we not named them all yet? No, there were two more subs that came in. Um, all right, the, the one I was gonna say, but he, we brought him up the other day. Fucking Billy. Yeah. Mm. I'm assuming you're talking about. Billy Billy Alethanov. I'll save Billy you the pronunciation. Yeah, I've been working on it though. Billy Alethanov. Yeah. I actually practiced some, and then you said it, and I could mimic it. Hey. Yes. <laughs> Who's this last substitution then? Um, it's an odd one. Um, Tony Hibbert oh, came in the seventy sixth, 72nd minute for Haitinga. You know what? Beating, beating Liverpool 2-0. David Moyes is bringing Tony Hibbert on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Tony Hibbert as an op- as an um, as a player on, on the last quiz I did let me down and I was going to say Hibbert instead of Peanut, but I thought no, Hibbert's let me down once before. He, at this point he wasn't playing because I thought to myself... Neville and Coleman were both playing, but it was when Coleman was a right midfielder. Right midfielder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, oh, because well. that game, Seamus Coleman set it set Tim Kale up for his first goal and Kale didn't celebrate with him and Kale and, and Coleman fucking pushed him and got angry at him. I mm. remember that in the celebration. Is it oh, because Cahill liked to do his own thing by himself with and the Kale celebration? Was just, Kale was just buzzing anyway. Maisie yeah. side derby goal. Nah. Uh, okay, so the subs that didn't play, Jan Mucha, uh Mustafi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Magai Gay and uh, Jose Baxter, actually. Those, uh, those were the players on the bench. So, um, so I guess we give, uh, we give this round to Max. Max, your, your Laurel for winning is uh, picking, I don't know if you knew this, but you get to pick the tune oh, that closes I? out the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's nice. It's laughs> uh, so, Max, are you are you scrolling through your iTunes to try to figure out what, what you're going to pick? I am. I've listened to three Kanye West albums today. So I think I'm going to go with some good Kanye, not not like modern idiot Kanye. Like, I didn't know with... there's good Kanye. This is interesting to me. Uh, Mid two thousands. For those of you listening right now, Terry is his, has a has an old curmudgeon face like I have. Uh, whenever we hear Kanye, we're like, oh, 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 Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> Max, you, I'm sure you've got good reasons. Yeah, no, 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 no. I can I completely and one hundred percent understand why you despise his fucking guts, but <laughs> like. I, I think he was, he was good back in the day. He was he was good. I'm gonna go with um, "Can't Tell Me Nothing." It's on the the album "Graduation." Can't tell me nothing, which sounds like a Kanye song. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if I was thinking, if I was to make up a song by Kanye, immediately I would have yeah. That's the phrase I would use. Um, so can't tell me nothing by Kanye. So why? You said that it's good, Kanye. What makes it good? It, what makes it good, Kanye? Well, uh, right. Uh, do you know what I said? I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of J. Cole. Yes. Kind of like who, who I hold as the current 
you know, best in the world in terms of hip hop and rap. He he brought out a song called False Prophets. Basically, it's a kind of diss of Kanye for turning into this weird propaganda advert machine that he's slowly but surely become. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go back to some of his old stuff, like I said, I, I'd listen to the three of them today. Um, the College Dropout, 808 and Heartbreak, and Graduation. They're three really good albums. Like um, The College Dropout, for example, is just about how ludicrous the education system is, which is very apt to my situation at the minute. Ah. But, um, yeah, I just felt like uh, diversing and a bit of a Kanye today. And, I have done, and I've, been, I've had a very productive day, so it, 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 bodes, it bodes well with me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll be listening to this. Who knows? I might listen to it and like it. I may not be. I, I may drop my fuddy duddy act just for a little bit. When I, I will say that Stone Roses track you you picked uh, about a week or two ago. I knew it. I'd heard it. Cheering in it. Yeah, I knew it. I love it. Uh, it. I feel like it's on the soundtrack for Guy Ritchie movie. Is it Snatch? Uh, or Lockstock, it's one of the two. I haven't seen Lockstock. I, I watched the guy with you on Joe Rogan the other day. It's mm-hmm. podcasting back, and you know he's a black belt in jujitsu. No, no, guy Ritchie's a black belt in jujitsu. What a talented individual! Great, Max. Thanks a lot. Now I've just forgotten the last bit of math that I had. Just forced out, forced out <laughs> the last bit of math in my brain. Now that I know, guy Ritchie's a black belt in jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> What will I do with this newfound knowledge? It's so precious. <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway. But yeah, that, that song was awesome, by the way. I want to listen to more of that band. Um, let's hope I say the same thing about Kanye. Um, you won't. You never know. You never know. I'm I'm hip. I'm with it. Alright, so while while we're while we're uh, soothed by by Kanye in the background. It is the end of the show. It's time to end the big show uh, for podcast listeners out there. Thank you. You're just nice for listening to our voices. Um, please subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast. Rate it if you can. Leave a leave a, a kind review. You know, we're not averse to people saying kind things to us. You know, why would you think otherwise? That's just crazy talk. Um, also, if you desire to see our faces, we, we have we have a YouTube channel, the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. It's over 1,300 subs now, and we're not sweating it either. I'm just saying. That was, that was me acting like it's a big deal. Anyway, <laughs> I like pretending like I'm cocky. Just saying. Uh, so uh, check that out, if you will. Check out Terry, Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. Check out Max. Uh, the Toffee Blues website. Both those guys, they, they write up a lot of analysis, so check that out. Subscribe to the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm out with the plugging. No more plugs. It, it, it's plugless. Uh, guys, thanks so much. Terry, good to talk to you, man. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. It's always a, always a pleasure. Maxwell. Great to be on, as always. Gentlemen, much love to you. Thanks for your time. Uh yeah, we won't be doing uh, a later in the week recording because uh, I am American and Thanksgiving. So that's a thing that is happening. So, so yeah. Uh, so happy Thanksgiving to Americans out there and to non-Americans. Happy normal day of the week. Yeah, hope it's great. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Much love to everybody, and uh, let's grab three points this weekend. So, bye. Bye.